Praise the Lord. Amen. It's 7 o'clock on the dot. Amen. Time for Bible study. Praise the Lord. Tonight, amen. Engaging God's Word of the book of Romans, lesson 15. Uh, tonight's uh, title is The Spirit's Testimony. Amen. We'll be covering Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. And uh, by the time we finish tonight, we will be halfway through the book of Romans. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's a lot more in the book of Romans than I thought. Amen. And I'm glad that uh, we've been able to study it in detail because, I, I don't know, uh, I've, I've just learned so much uh, just by, uh, because, you know, there's, you can read the Word of God, but, you can all, uh, but there's also the study of the Word of God. And then when you start thinking about some of the stuff we learned uh, and you meditate on the Word of God, sometimes you get a little even more uh, 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 revelation or illumination, rather, uh, from, the, from the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, the pastor's doing a lot of preaching from the Word, and uh, me and Brother Bob and Brother Ernie are doing a lot of teaching. So it's just... Uh, Layer upon layer, line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little, amen. So uh, the first section is Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to kind of break it up tonight and focus on each, uh, on, uh, each section tonight. So uh, let's read together uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore. Now, what do we do when we come across a therefore? We figure out what it's there for, right? Amen. Why is it therefore? Amen. Therefore what? The previous seven chapters. Amen. We learned that the, uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. That uh, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And how that we should be slaves to Christ and not slaves to sin. We've been, we got all of these subjects behind us. And now Paul is saying, therefore now. Can somebody say now? now. Therefore now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that Lottie Dottie everybody? No. Just for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. So let's go directly into our questions. And uh, the first question uh, 
number one, it says, uh, the therefore in verse one refers inclusively to all that Paul has argued in the first seven chapters of Romans. Who then is free from condemnation? Who is free from condemnation? Brother Late. Right, exactly. Precisely. Amen. Those who are in Christ, not those that believe in God or believe that there's something out there or believes in a higher power, but those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you know the difference between condemnation and conviction? There's a, there's a difference. There's two things that's going to pull on your soul. It's either conviction or condemnation. Amen. The, the conviction of God is what draws you to repentance, draws you back to the Father, draws you back to Christ. Amen? Conviction. It's, it's, a, it's an operation of the Holy Spirit designed to call us back when we fall astray, when we go, have an error, uh, when, when we're not walking uh, precisely where God wants us. He gives us conviction to pull us back into the fold and pull us back on, on, on the, the straight highway. Amen? Condemnation says... You sinned, and you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You'll always be a sinner. You'll never be any good. You're a poor excuse for a, for a Christian, and you might as well just give up and just, and just go live, live the sinful life because you're not going to heaven anyway. Do you know who that comes from? That's not the Holy Spirit, amen. That is, that is the devil himself, amen. So, but the Bible says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, amen. Amen. We're called, we're called to live in Christ. We're not called to be, uh, walk under uh, condemnation all the time, thinking, you know, that sin I did 30 years ago, I, I'm just such a terrible person. Get that out of your, get that out of your voc vocabulary. Turn that loose and set yourself free from that because there is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. We're in Christ Jesus now. We have a new master. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go to uh, question number two. According to verses two and three, what had to be done to achieve this freedom from condemnation? What, what, what needed to be done? Brother Ernie. Well, he sent his own son mm -hmm. sinful flesh, that the law might be fulfilled in us who are not walking in the flesh. Amen. Either you don't need to walk. Amen. Amen. So w without... With, Without the work of the sun, you know, we're, you know, we're toast. Amen. Brother Bob? Yeah, right. God sending his son was sufficient. All right. Let me ask you a question. What's, what's wrong with the law? There's nothing wrong with the law. It exposes sin. Right. But it cannot take away the sin in us. Only the blood of right. Jesus can. Amen. Amen. So the law, the, the weakness of the law was our flesh, our, our, our contrary nature to the law. Amen. So that's why we need grace, because we can't live it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, question three says, based on John... 8, 31 and 32, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and Galatians 5, 1. How would you explain the freedom 
a believer has in Christ. And I have those uh, scriptures, so let's just read those scriptures real quick to, to, to get them in, in, in our head. Uh, 8, 31 and 32 from uh, the book of John. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, and you are truly my, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set before for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amen. Now that's he's talking about a different type of slavery because we, we a couple of lessons ago we talked about being a, either a slave to Christ or a slave to sin. Amen. Amen. We don't want to go back to being a slave to the law. Amen. Amen. We're, we're, we're free in, in grace. Amen. And we know that's not a license to sin. Amen. That's not a license to do what you want to do. In fact, grace teaches us to live, to live right before God. Amen. Praise the Lord. But back to question three. Uh, how would you explain the freedom a believer has in Christ? Now, taking those three scriptures uh, in, in mind. Uh, Sister Liz. Exactly. Brother Bob, go ahead. That was right from the beginning of the day when the angel spoke to um, when the angel spoke to Mary that of uh, the birth of Christ. It said uh, he said to her, and he shall save his people, not in their city, but from their city. Mm -hmm. Right. Amen. There's a difference. Yes. Amen. Someone else have something to add, Brother Ernie? Mm -hmm. Not in soap operas, not in UFC, not in video games, but we need to abide in the Word of God. Christians have kind of got away from that. Brother, uh, Pastor, Pastor Willie. <laughs> I just, I'd say a freedom from condemnation. Because when you look at the mm -hmm. Word, we often talk about John 3.16, and we skip John 3.17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Freedom to be condemned. Uh, and it's important for us to know since you don't walk around with a burden on your heart, not realizing what the grace of God has really done for you. Let me see a show of hands of people uh, that even after you've lived for God for a while, that you struggled with condemnation. Yeah. Amen. It, it, that's why it's in the Word. That, that's why this lesson is in the Word. Amen. Because from time to time we do. Uh, you know, 
Sometimes something that I did 30, 40 years ago will come back and, and start just hanging all over me and have to, sh- wait a minute, I, I, I'm free from that. I'm forgiven. Amen. There's now no condemnation. I have to remind, I have to be reminded. Amen. Praise the Lord. And praise God for his wonderful grace. Question four. Uh, it's, you got a part A and a part B. Uh, part A says, why was the law unable to fill, fulfill its own requirements? Why was the law unable to fulfill its own requirements? Anybody? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. Someone got some more? Anybody got a, anything to add to that? Paul says we can buy the flesh. Mm-hmm. The problem with the law is not the law. The problem with the law is us. Yeah. That we, we can't keep it. Yeah. And it points us ever present towards the Savior. That it should make us admit and say, I need a Savior. Yeah. No matter how good I try to be, I can never be good enough to earn my salvation. Right. Now, when we're talking about the flesh, we're not talking, talking about hair and fingernails and skin and bone and muscle. We're talking about that sin nature that we inherited from old Papa Adam. Amen. Amen. That self-will that uh, I'm going to be my own little God. I'm going, to, I'm going to be the ruler of my own little destiny. Amen. That, that self-will and that, that sin nature, that's, that's, the, uh, you know, that's the flesh that it's talking about. Amen. Brother, also, go ahead, Brother Bob. The, uh, the necessity of the repetition of the sacrifices in blood mm-hmm. uh, continually, uh, year after year, uh, week after week, month after month, uh, because the Bible tells us that there was always remembrance of sin. Mm-hmm. This is the wonderful thing about coming to Christ, yeah. that when uh, we are forgiven, and we are washed by the blood of Jesus. Our sins are forgiven all, all, all the time and always. And yes, we do err, but we have an advocate with the Father, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. Remember back in the book, we did the book, uh, same uh, uh, format with the book of Hebrews. We learned that Christ was the perfect sacrifice Amen. given once and for all. He was also the perfect priest. To offer, and he was the perfect priest because he didn't he didn't need a uh, he didn't need to be cleansed uh, before he went into the temple. He, he didn't he didn't need to be uh, sanctified. He already was. Amen. So uh, he he fulfilled all of those things a hundred percent. No more. Amen. Part B of uh, question four says, what did God do with the law's requirement rather than revoking it or setting it aside? What did God do with the law's requirement rather than revoking it or setting it aside? 
Go ahead, uh, Leith. Amen. Amen. He sent his son in, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, the, the, the flesh uh, that the son was in was not sinful. It was the likeness. It looked like you and me. He was 100% human. He was 100% divine. Amen. Yet he had no sin. Amen. Amen. He, he had no sin. But he, he, he did suffer all the temptations that we do, yet did not sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he, I, I got, he personally condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully uh, met in us. Question five says, reflecting on your own life, what does it mean to you to be free from any sense of condemnation from God? What does it mean to you personally? Sister Elizabeth? Um, less anxiety over my mistakes and freedom to do better moving forward. I think it's easier to feel less anxious about mistakes that you've made in the past or even maybe mistakes that you make in the present or the future when you know that God is in your corner and he's not looking to just condemn you. He's trying to lead you on a better path. And if you focus on that, it's easier to not beat yourself over the head with every mistake that you make. Amen. And it gives you more motivation to do better. Amen. We have to keep in mind, people are going to remember. But God has promised to remember no more. Amen. Yeah. Your, your friends and your enemies are going to remember what you did in high school. You know, they're going to remember all the things you did in college. They're going to remember those things, but God will remember those things no more. Amen. Anybody else? Gonna... I, I did have a, a quote. It's from uh, Buster Scruggs, from the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It was a movie. And, uh, and he said this, Don't let my white duds and pleasant demeanor fool you. I too have been known to violate the statutes of man and not a few of the laws of the Almighty. Amen. You know, I, I have <laughs> I've broke the, broken the laws of the state of Michigan and the United States and, uh, and, and a, whole, a whole lot of the laws of God. Amen. But, but I am free from that now. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we just need to keep that in mind. It's the past. Put it in the past. Leave it there. Let it stay there. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I think that kind of sparks a heart of worship, too. The Bible says that he who is forgiven much loves much. Mm -hmm. And when you really realize the magnitude of your sin and you look at the magnitude of God's grace, it immediately propels you into worship because you know you're getting something that you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's saying basically that we're not justified by works of the law, that Christ has given us this grace through faith, and that's, that's enough to worship. Amen. And he was, a, he was already a preacher. He had been living the Christian life for years before he got that revelation that the just shall live by faith. Amen. Let's go to the second section. It's, uh, it covers Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And in the book, it uh, talks about 
it, it's the or the uh, theme of a new nature, a new nature. Amen. We have an old nature, but now we have a new nature. Let's uh, let's read uh, starting at verse five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. So verse, uh, question six, uh, part A says... How does Paul distinguish the natural man from the spiritual man? Brother Ernie? The natural man, the mind is set on things of the flesh. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, party hardy. Whatever, whatever feels good, do it. Whatever pleases me. Amen. <laughs> sometimes those same people, something goes wrong in church, they're gone. They won't come back. They don't want to stay there do the healing process. They don't want to stay there and bless the people of the past. Hmm. It's just that happens out there. Yeah. Amen. Anybody got something to add? All right. Let's go on to part B. What is the, is the result of each of these two ways of life? What is the result of these two ways of life? Sister Elizabeth? Um, so to follow the natural way would be death because you're following the flesh. But to follow the spiritual way would be life and peace because you're honoring God and doing what pleases Him. Amen. 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 It's simple. I mean, it's no, 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 uh, uh, nothing, uh, no gray area there. Amen. It's it's either death or it's life. Amen. Either or. Question seven, from verse seven, describe the mind that is set on the flesh. How might being influenced uh, by it affect our relationship with God? So you're trying to be a Christian, but your mind is set on the flesh. Brother Leith, go ahead. The flesh is hostile toward God. Those in the flesh cannot turn please God. Amen. So the, the flesh is it's not just passive aggressive, nice uh, to, to, to God's face. Uh, the flesh is hostile to God. Amen. Road, and this road was filled on each side of the city I was in with all this fast food. 
And all time, my normal nature was like, just swing it here, you can get this chicken, or swing it here, you can get this. And I told my mom, like, no, I can't do this. But I'm thinking about my mind, but it's so easy. Right? <laughs> it tastes so good. I ended up actually going to get a salad, but it was so hard. It really was. I was sitting there, I was looking at it, I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. This isn't going to be fun. But at the end of the day, it'll help me live longer, potentially. And I think that's what we don't realize is that sometimes the things that are following God aren't the most attractive to our sin nature, but they give us spiritual life and longevity. And those things that are good to us sometimes are the things that actually wreck our lives in the long run. Mm -hmm. Amen. Question eight. What is the result mentioned here of being controlled by the sinful nature? And it says, see uh, Hebrews 11.6. And uh, let's look, look at uh, Hebrews 11.6 real quick and uh, get a reminder. I got it written uh, here. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Amen. So uh, back to uh, question eight. What is the result mentioned here of being controlled by the sinful nature? Go ahead, uh, Sister Elizabeth. Um, you become Yeah, uh, uh, the flesh doesn't know what faith is. The flesh has no use for faith. The flesh wants to go by what it can see, what it can hear, what it can taste and smell and feel. That, that's, that's what the flesh is all about, the natural senses. And uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So... Mm -hmm. The Bible says in the last days, uh, men will heap unto themselves people who tell them what their itching ears want to hear. Yeah. Men will be lovers of themselves or their flesh more than lovers of God. So a lot of times we don't see people in spiritual mentorship that say you need to be discipled, you need to, be a, you need to grow in Christ. We seek those people who tell us those things that feel good about us, about the blessings we're going to get and, mm -hmm. and how loved we are, but we don't want, ever seek the accountability. And thereby we miss a lot of spiritual enrichment um, because we allow our flesh sometimes to make us make our choices in our spiritual lives, <laughs> in our relational lives, and all those other things. And that, it, I can tell you from self-experience, that's not a good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a good idea at all. I don't want to hear none of that negative preaching. I, I, want, to, I want something that makes me feel good. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want preaching that's going to get me to heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Question nine says, how does Paul underscore the weakness of the sinful nature in relationship to God? 
How does he underscore that? What, how does he drive home the point? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. So, to me, um, he was, he breaks down how this nature is essentially the opposite of mm -hmm. what God wants for us. Because in this chapter and um, through multiple other parts of the previous seven chapters, he, if you pay attention, he kind of repeats himself, but it, he words it differently every time. So yeah. He's driving home that point that, hey, you know what? You know, your friend might call it this. You call it that. Either way, God's not okay with it. Right. <laughs> you know, he's just kind of driving that point mm -hmm. home by breaking right. it down over and over again so that there's... I feel like he does it so that there's no, um, there can't, there's no room for misunderstanding. Right. Yeah. It's been broken down so many ways. You can't say that you didn't understand the message that was sent. Like if you don't understand, stand, uh, stand it the way he put it that way, maybe you'll understand it the way he put it this way. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. everybody's mind thinks differently. So it's like if you look through all the chapters, he keeps rewording um, the same aspects of what is pleasing to God and what isn't and what it means to be ruled by the flesh. And what it means to be ruled by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Amen. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. Verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Man. Amen. Man, I, I, I love that scripture. Amen. And the, this section is called a new power source. Question 10 says, according to verse 9, what is true of every Christian? What, what's true of every Christian? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. Uh, that the Spirit of God lives within us. Mm-hmm. so long as we continue down that path and continue to follow and listen and pray and you know all the good things that you're supposed to do the spirit will be there to help guide you where you need to be mm -hmm. amen think about that what, what does that really mean god's spirit living in you a piece of the almighty the creator and designer and the omnipotent omniscient I'm not present one is living in you. Yeah. Now that doesn't make you a little God. Let's don't go down that path. No new, no new ageism around here. Okay. But a piece of him is living in you to help you through this life and to get you to, uh, to the other side. Amen. Yes, and you know, the way that I kind of see it is when we accept Jesus Christ into our life and the spirit of God starts to live within us, it literally is making you your body in part 
becomes like in relation to God as outside mm-hmm. of just his creation, it kind of pulls you into that family aspect, just like your mother's DNA is within you. You're not your mother, but her DNA is within you. Uh-huh. You're not your father, but right. her DNA is within you. Right. So when you submit yourself to Jesus, the spirit of God lives within you at that point, mm-hmm. and it's proof of your heirship to God. Yeah. And it's kind of helps you along with like your conscience and stuff like that, mm-hmm. making your decisions and stuff. Yeah. And, and limbs growing and all sorts of things, but the most supernatural thing that could ever be done is that God took a black and dead soul, and if you accept it, he gives it life. And not only just life, he gives it abundant life and eternal life. Mm-hmm. That through faith, a supernatural work of God has quickened, the Bible says, our mortal souls. That That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It is. But think about that. It also puts something on your mind if he's living with me when I'm doing right, that means he's still up when I'm doing what? Wrong. <laughs> it makes you think about what you're doing. Because have you ever have had somebody in the room and it just weirds you out uh, or something like that or, or something like that? Think about it. We thought about every time we got ready to say something or do something, not only was Christ not in the room, but he's right here. <laughs> he can hear right in here before it comes out. I wonder how to adjust our behavior if we're cognizant of his presence in our lives. Yeah. I will say, within a shadow of a doubt, that I can say I have honestly had moments where I've been in the middle of responding to something or getting ready to respond to something, and my flesh wants to (laughs) go in on somebody. But then I get this thought that pops in my head, and it's like, better not. And I'm like, you know what, God, I hear you. Okay. <laughs> Let me stop before I start. You know, I hear you. <laughs> I won't do it. <laughs> Brother Bob? Brother Dave, isn't it wonderful that God expressed the desire to live within the heart of man? And Jesus Christ made that possible. Mm-hmm. And Jesus himself, it was only through him. Right. Jesus himself said, We stand at the door and knock. If any man will open that door. We will come in. The Father and I and the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the the, the, the splendor of the uh, temple that Solomon built? And God said, thank you. I appreciate this. But there's another temple, which is our right here. That's why Paul mm-hmm. said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God, glory be to God, dwells in you. <laughs> this is this is too much for me to comprehend, and yet it is too simple, and I understand it. Glory <laughs> be to God. <laughs> yes, How would we feel if the president knocked on our door tonight and said, We open up the door and it's the president, whatever yeah. president you yeah. like, could take yeah. your picture. And, <laughs> and, and he said, Hey, I didn't tell you I was coming. But I'm going to spend the night at your house. <laughs> Boy, what would go through your mind? How would that How would that work for you? I mean, would you be like, oh, my goodness, I'm not ready. I don't have my things clean. There's so many things I got to clean up. There's so much I got to do uh, as a Secret Service coming up. <laughs> yeah. to, did you know that I didn't pay all my taxes last year? All, this, all these things. And imagine that. The king of the universe 
the king of kings, of our, our proverbial king, what we call the president, the king of kings is living in your, he's like, hey, how you doing? I want, I want to live in here. And you're like, what? Well, uh, Lord, did you see what I did in 85? Uh, he's like, yeah, I did. I still want to come on in. Let me in. I mean, wow. That's, that's an amazing thought. And, and it is that it becomes a living act as we get ready as Christians to, to as we live, to be thinking, who am I that the highest king would welcome me? That, that the creator of the universe, who nothing can contain him. He's so big, the whole earth is full of his glory. And he, yet he chooses to live in us. Yes. Wow. Amen. Thank God he turns us into new wineskins before he comes to dwell. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. That's, a, that's, a, that's hard to wrap, wrap your head around. Of why? Why, why? You know, why would you know, want anything to do with me? Amen. Exactly. Only for me to follow. Yeah. And that my understanding will eventually come with time, either in this life or the next. But I try to not focus on the whys because I feel like when you focus on the whys, you can drive yourself a little crazy. You know, you're too, you start beating yourself up at that point instead of focusing on the gift, the beautiful gift that he's given you mm. and appreciating it and learning to walk with him. Instead, you're standing off to the side and you're like, Oh, well, I appreciate this, but why? You still sound like yeah. you're not in it, you know? Amen. So I just try not to focus on that part of it. Praise the Lord. Let's go on to question 11. Is it possible to be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit or Spirit of Christ explain? And it says, see also 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. Let's read those scriptures uh, before we uh, answer the question. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, uh, says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Him also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen. And I think the King James talks about the earnest of our inheritance. So it's like when you uh, go, to, uh, go to get a house and they ask you for some earnest money. You, so you write out that check. And you put your earnest money down. This, this, I, I'm going to guarantee. I'm, I'm going to follow through with this sale. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I promise to follow through uh, with the deal. And if you don't, you lose that uh, five hundred thousand dollars or uh, two thousand dollars, whatever you put down, you lose it. <laughs> so, so God put a guarantee down. 
It was his spirit that he put inside of us. Amen. So let's go back to the question. Is it possible for a Christian uh, to be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ? And uh, Sister Haley. Yeah, because there's a difference in the baptism uh, than than the initial uh, uh, initial infilling. Uh, you know, uh, when you exercise faith, Sister Elizabeth. I feel like sometimes too, when people um, come up and they're asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't think that it's necessary um, indicative of them not believing that the Spirit is within them. I think at that point it is. Um, a matter of hurting. I think a lot of those people are not necessarily looking for the spirit to be within them, but maybe to strengthen their understanding yeah. and to better be able to hear the spirit within them. Because sometimes even though the spirit, you know, is dwelling within us, we may not have our listening ears on. Yeah. 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 And, and then when you're early on in Christ, you, you're still figuring a lot of stuff out too. So <laughs> brother Bob, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Pastor Willie, you had a... Oh, I, I, I didn't, but that, that's a, oh, yeah. a good point and topic because a lot of people try to preach Jesus plus. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then although there are right. other things, and like you were mentioning, like it, later on in the scriptures, it talks about baptisms and things that happened all the way in the first century, but everybody who's saved has the Spirit of God within them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's important for you to know Yeah. Sure. That sounds great until we read this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, no, we're, we're not. Um, we're all God's creation. We are, we're all God's <laughs> creation. We're with his children by adoption. Paul says we've received the spirit of adoption by wherewith we cry out the Father. So that, that's important to know. So to be a child of God is a special thing. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> all right. Uh, question 12 has two parts, A and B. Uh, A says, how does Paul describe the Holy Spirit? What, what's his description? And now we're, we're looking at these, uh, these specific verses, verses 9, 10, and 11. How does uh, uh, Paul describe the Holy Spirit? Sister Elizabeth? He describes the Holy Spirit as the giver of life. Mm-hmm. What else? Anybody got something else to add to that, Brother uh, Ernie? Mm-hmm. 
Jesus. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. And uh, uh, and it also Paul just Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. I mean that was the Spirit that was in Christ, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, uh, Part B says, how does that description affect your concept of the power that is available to you? That's a, now this is another another side of it. You know, we we got the a piece of the Almighty living in the side of us, but what kind of power is available to us? Brother uh, Leith? Guts, bones, endless. And what did Jesus say in the, what is it, uh, in, in, the, in the book of John? You, you shall do greater works. Yeah, because, because the Holy Spirit's in us. Amen. The same Spirit that was in Christ is in us. Amen. Uh, Sister Elizabeth? And then uh, something else to keep in mind is uh, the resurrection power of God is dwelling within us. And the same resurrection power that brought Jesus out of that tomb is the same power that's living in us. And when that angel splits the sky uh, uh, and, and the trumpet sounds, what's going to quicken us? Amen. That same power. Amen. When he calls us home. Amen. So praise, praise the Lord. Amen. That resurrection power is living within us. Question 13 says, four times in verses 9 through 11, Paul uses the phrase in you to describe the Spirit's relationship with us. What do the following verses tell us is true because the Spirit dwells in us? And the first set of scriptures in part A is John 14 verses 16 and 17, and it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So uh, how does that verse... Uh, um, 
what do the following verses tell us is true because the Spirit dwells in us? So according to these verses, what is true because we're in Him and He in us? Mm-hmm. Which means that he's to come alongside you. He's to, he. So, in other words, when God created man, He put us on the earth and gave us dominion, mm-hmm. and He was He was allowing us to rule the earth as He as we partnered with God, and we broke that partnership mm-hmm. by sinning. Right. And now, as we live in a fallen world, what God is saying is, I'm coming alongside you, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to guide you. Uh, I'm going to undergird mm-hmm. you. And so the world can't receive it, but you can receive me. This is the same spirit when we get to Genesis and it says, and the spirit of God hovered over the waters, over the face of the deep, that the eternal God, uh, part of the Godhead, is living with us. And wow, and, and that's so comforting. And, and you know that in your deepest times of deep sorrow, I've had some times like when I lost my mom, mm-hmm. and some of the deepest pangs of my sorrow I felt the supernatural comfort because um, I was Amen. really close to my mom. Yeah. But as I began to pray, God gave me a supernatural comfort, and I knew it was Him. You could you mm. could feel that peace, that peace that passes all of us to understand. Like, and my world is shattered. I don't know what's about to happen, but somehow, <laughs> in the middle of my crying, I feel calmness. <laughs> yeah. And that's only inside of me, and that's a wonderful thing. You know, one word that jumps out of me. Uh, and that verse was forever. forever. Yeah. Wow. He, he just doesn't come, come and be with us every once in a while. You know, we, we can only be in one place at one time, but God can be with us all, all at the same time, forever. Yes. Amen. And then John uh, 16. Oh, yes, just Pat. That's why we need to be careful where we take it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're supposed to follow him. <laughs> yeah, right. He'll go with us, but the thing is, like you said, we're supposed to be following him instead of trying to make him follow us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, John 16, verses 12 to 14. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, what, what, what is it, what is it, what's the truth here uh, uh, to us? I mean, it's all true, but concerning this uh, theme, what, what what jumps out at you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm putting my glasses. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Brother Bob. Uh, the, uh, this verse right here tells me that uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit is yearning, his desire is to reveal Jesus Christ to us ever more fully. And it is only through 
as we want to. Mm -hmm. Because he is the revelator of Jesus Christ. When uh, John the Revelator began to write the book of Revelation. He says he was taken up in the spirit. Right. And the spirit of God began to reveal things to him. Because we, no one knows the spirit of man, but the spirit that dwells in him. Even so, no, uh, no one knows the mind of God, but the spirit of God. You know, uh, one thing. Without the spirit, there is no revelation of Christ. You right. Never Exactly. Sister Elizabeth? And I think that this um, verse is important because I've, sp I've spoken to some people who um, they believe in God, but they get confused mm -hmm. on what, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I think they see the Holy Spirit as a completely separate like thing from, mm -hmm. from Jesus. Yeah. And, and yeah, like a completely separate person. Like right. they don't understand that when you say the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the reason that they say that is because they are all one and the same. And it says that multiple times in the Bible. But I think that somebody who may not spend as much time reading might be a little confused by that. And I mm. think that this is a good verse to maybe point people towards so that they understand that the yeah. Holy Spirit doesn't act of his own fruition, that he follows whatever he is told, mm -hmm. and he repeats what he has heard directly from. It is not his thoughts alone off of what he's heard. It is direct. Yeah. Amen. I think for years, the idea of the Trinity, a uh, God is that it's three persons uh, that are co-equal and co-eternal in nature. Uh, but yet are in harmony. There's no point in time where the father disagrees with the son or the son disagrees with the father. Right. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around yeah. that. But that's a thought process that he says he will be in you. And he says what he hears from me. What he's telling the disciples at this point is that your communication lines with the father are always open. Right. Because whatever he hears, he speaks. He put a microphone right inside of us. <laughs> <laughs> so that in a world down and lack of truth and everybody living their truth but it's not the truth and in a world full of confusion we still have access to the truth mm -hmm. through God's word right through the spirit allowing us to be able to read it and, and guide us into all truth so we don't have to be confused and that's why a lot of people are confused and they go after second secular humanism and transcendentalism and all sorts of other things in Eastern right. philosophy is because they don't have Christ in them to lead them toward the truth because if you abide in me and now you, you'll know the truth and it'll make you free. Amen. John uh, 16.13 says, He will guide you into all the truth. Uh, have you, has anybody here had the uh, experience when you were a young Christian that maybe you got a hold of some wrong teaching or some error? Because, you know, you listen to the radio, you get all kinds of different... You, and when you're a young Christian, you don't know. And, and you hear all kinds of stuff. And, you know, uh, but... But the Holy Spirit, if, if you're sincere in God and you're a Christ follower, He will lead you and guide you. He'll lead you out of error and on, on, on to, on, you know, on to truth. Amen. Go ahead. Um, I think that one of the best pieces of advice that I was ever given as a young Christian 
was that if I hear something in a sermon that it is perfectly acceptable for me to look for the reference of that in the Bible. Absolutely. Because the Bible is, you know, that's God's word. That's perfect. It mm -hmm. doesn't need any revision. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. Mm -hmm. You don't need to ask him if he, he's not stuttering. He's yeah. very pointed. Right. So if you are confused on anything on how God sees it, if God would agree with what was said in that sermon or not, or with whatever bit of advice that somebody gave you, even if they were well-meaning, right. if you are unsure, have your Bible. They, you know, they have a they have an app for your phone too. If you, don't, right. yeah. if you don't have a physical Bible, you can download the Bible app, and it is the Bible on your phone. So there's always a way to yeah. research and vet it, just like you would with anything else in your life. If you were to like, let's say, in a way that maybe a little bit more of a worldly example. So if you were to say, gonna go vote, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't just look at the page and say, I'm going to vote for Joe Schmo next year because he's the one at the top. You would ideally do your due diligence, look into these people, read information about what they stand for, mm -hmm. and where is the best place to get that information from their web pages. So straight from the horse's mouth. If you want information about what the Bible says about anything, go to your Bible. Amen. Amen. The Bible uh, is the plumb line. It is. It's the standard. And uh, if man is saying something different from what the Word says, I would go with the Word. I don't know about you, but I want to go with the Word. Amen. Brother Ernie? Yeah. And it said, uh, He will guide us into all truth. We have to listen, though. Amen. Because that will keep us from getting into all kinds of messes. You get a little inkling from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, don't do that. You go ahead and do it anyway. That's on you. <laughs> because he'll guide us into all truth, and he wants to give us truth, but we need to listen. Right. You know, and the, how many remember the Jim Jones uh, tragedy back in the 70s? If those people would have said, wait a minute, this guy's saying some stuff, I don't, I don't even see it in the Bible anywhere. If people would have just questioned, you know, not questioned God's authority. But it's, it's okay to ask God a question. Yeah. It's okay to, to question something that you hear exactly. to get a clarification. Absolutely. Amen. And uh, next section is Romans 8, uh, verses 12 to 14. And uh, we'll... So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Praise God. So it says... Uh, 
This, is a, this uh, section is called a new obligation. Amen. A new obligation. For, uh, question 14 says, an obligation can be driven by a variety of motives. How would you describe the kind of obligation and motive Paul had in mind here? Sister Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I think that it's important to mention that just because something is an obligation doesn't mean that we're going to actually honor it. So that's where it becomes an act of choice. But I think that as Christians, that would be our obligation is to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit, to try our best to listen. And I think that the, the motivation to do that is, you know, the gift that we receive through Jesus of eternal life of, of heaven you know once you've received that gift you don't want to lose it so right keeping your communication open listening to the holy spirit praying and taking time you know to read your bible and stuff like that is all going to help you know towards that goal right that motivation amen so because we're debtors we have an obligation and we're obligated to live according to the Spirit. Amen. Question 15 says, What results from living, uh, living according to the sin, sinful nature? Brother Leif. Amen. And uh, Sister Elizabeth was right. He does repeat himself quite a bit for a purpose. And uh, I have no doubt that the book of Romans is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this several different ways so that we can get it in our curaniums. Amen. Speaking from the perspective of a parent, right? Yeah. When you're speaking to a child, if you just simply tell them no, They want to know why. Yeah. <laughs> but if every time they ask you why to that no, if you keep giving them the same answer, is that going to make them understand why you said no? Mm-hmm. If they didn't understand your first explanation the first time that you said it, what makes you think they're going to suddenly understand it the 20th time? Yeah. If they don't understand, they don't understand. And everybody's brain works differently. Everybody processes information differently because we are all unique individual people. Mm. So when Paul sits here writing Romans and he repeats himself, it is not just to make sure that the book is lengthy and full of stuff. It's to, because what someone else understands in Romans 8, someone else understood in Romans 2. Mm-hmm. Someone else might not understand until the very end. Right. Everybody thinks differently. Exactly. Just like you can't parent every child the same, God yeah. can't communicate with using the same words and explanation with each human. He's going to reach everybody a little differently. Absolutely. And part B says, uh, yeah, what results from living by the Spirit? Life. The last section, 
is uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, a new relationship. A new relationship. Let's go to... Uh, Let's go to the word. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Amen. There's a provision there. Amen. Amen. Let's get into it. Amen. For uh, question 16, what results from the old spirit of slavery? What results from that uh, uh, old spirit of slavery? And it's right there. Bondage to oh, of, of what, though? There's a specific... What, say that again, Brother Ernie. Leads to fear. Fear. Bond. We're, we're, we're shackled to fear. Amen. Uh, the, old, the old spirit of uh, slavery. Amen. It's, it's fear. You know, uh, what the, the, the Bible says, uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear unto bondage, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Praise the Lord. Was that First Timothy seven? I forgot. <laughs> I, that didn't come up in the, in, in my notes. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I'm a little rusty there. <laughs> and then uh, part B, uh, the new spirit of adoption. What results from the new spirit of adoption? Amen. We're not. Let's get out of fear and the slavery of fear. Let's go on. Let's see what the spirit of adopt, adoption brings. Amen. Sister Elizabeth? It reminds us that we are God's heir. It reminds us that even if we don't see the goodness in us, that God does. And I think that that is one of those areas where it's really important to just kind of not lean on your own understanding, mm -hmm. lean on his, because our instinct is of the flesh and not of God. So what does the flesh tell you to be scared? Amen. That you can't be fixed, that you're broken, that God has no use for you. But that's not what God gives you. So if you're going to have a new spirit of adoption, what it reminds you is of your value. Amen. And uh, let me remind you that uh, an adopted son has the same rights as a natural born son. Now, who is the natural born son? Christ Jesus. We're, 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 we're just as much a child of God as Christ Jesus himself because we're in Christ Jesus. When, when I was reading uh, in my Bible for these questions, um, I was reading at the bottom where it has like the extra information and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how back in the day when the Romans, in the Roman society, when somebody was adopted, they... They, they became part of the family in every sense of the way. It's not like, oh, you're adopted and we're gracious enough to let you live here and act like you're part of the family. <laughs> no, it didn't matter that right. whoever mm -hmm. wasn't your biological father, 
he adopted you, he took you into his family, he said, this is my child. Mm -hmm. So you have every right to his property, to his fortune, to anything of it that was in, of inheritance. The right. same as his child that was born of his seed. You were not less valuable just because you didn't share a DNA link. You were still just as valuable. Amen. Brother Ernie? Amen. Praise the Lord. Question 17 says, how does uh, John 1 and 12 enhance the meaning of Romans uh, 8, the 8, 15 to 17? Let's read uh, John 1, 12 real quick. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. You've got to believe in his name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, how does that enhance the meaning? How does that enhance the, everything? Well, he, he gives the right, to those who believe in his name or in his authority, he gives the right to become children of God. Yes. And that means that we don't have the right until we believe in him. Right. And like Liz said, even in Roman culture, you could disinherit your normal son, but you could not disinherit your adopted son. <laughs> Because that was an act of choice. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. But you chose that. When what Paul is trying to give a word picture into is he made the choice. He chose you. Mm. And because you're now a son, you don't have to worry about getting disinherited. Right. He loves you. And, and, and you, you can rest in God. You don't have to be trying to get, make salvation by works. Uh, you say by grace and faith and you can rest in that. Anybody ever do that uh, early on in your Christian walk? Because... You, you get you get saved and you're still trying to get saved every week, you know. Yeah. You know you you mess up and then you know you feel like you're lost, you know. I mean that's 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 the you know that's the power of condemnation coming against us. Amen. That's that's why we have teaching in the Word to. To get us out of that mindset. To know that we are the children of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, question 18. I'm trying to. We got uh, just a couple more questions. We've gone over a little bit. We, we have more questions than we usually do. But we'll, we'll try to get through this quickly. How can we be assured that we are indeed the children of God? Brother Bob. Amen. With our spirit that we are the children. Amen. 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 Question 19 for further study. How does Jesus assure us of the permanence of our relations, relationship with him? And this is uh, see John 6, 39 and 40 and John 10, uh, 27 to 30. Uh, let's read these real quickly. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. 
And the next uh, scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. The devil, if the devil could have snatched you out, he would have done it already. Amen. But he can't. Praise the Lord. So uh, question 20, uh, well, uh, question 19 says, how does Jesus assure us of the permanence of our relationship with him? I think that was, uh, those scriptures uh, 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 clarify it pretty good. The faithful will not be lost. No one can snatch us from his hand. Question 20, what final truth about adoption did Paul reveal in verse 17? Hmm. Amen. And uh, one thing that I saw that... Uh, go ahead, uh, Liz. So I wrote, when we share in Jesus' suffering, we share in his glory. And to me, honestly, um, I found that very comforting. Mm -hmm. Because not only did we share, if we're sharing in his suffering and we share in his glory, that means that he is also sharing in our suffering. Mm -hmm. When we suffer, he suffers. When he suffers, we suffer. It's a relationship that we have together. And it kind of is comforting because it lets you know that even when you feel alone, when you feel lost, you're not lost. Mm -hmm. He's right. still there. Um, there might be a lesson that you need to learn from it yet. Right. He's waiting for you to pick up on. Because, yeah. It's comforting to know that no matter how hard things are, that you're not in it alone. Because the Bible said about Jesus that he learned obedience by the things he suffered. We learn obedience by the things we suffer. And another, the other thought that came to mind concerning this was no cross, no crown. Amen. We share in his sufferings. Amen. Uh, to also share in his glory. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that teaches us and reveals these things unto us, Lord. That same Holy Spirit that uh, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That same spirit that lives in us that will quicken our mortal bodies. We thank you, O God. Lord, that these things are in your word to remind us, Lord, of your goodness unto us. And we thank and praise you and bless your holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Willie.